Welcome to the Business of Beers podcast. This is the place where we help entrepreneurs expand their business, build their wealth, and generate passive income. I'm your host, Brian Beers, an entrepreneur who's on a mission to inspire growth from everyone around me. Remember that you need to take the action others won't, and you can live the life that others don't. Please be sure to check out my weekly newsletter that now drops every Thursday. It includes one quote, one tweet, one podcast recommendation, plus some business and investing insight from me. It's short and it's sweet. My goal is to provide you with just a couple gold nuggets to help inspire your growth. Go to brianbeers.com to subscribe. Hello, everyone. I am excited to bring you Tanessa Shears today. She's a health consultant and the host of Becoming Limitless podcast. She helps entrepreneurs scale their business by optimizing their health, focus, and productivity with science and biohacking. It sounds awesome. I'm excited to learn all about this because I, I know nothing uh, about biohacking. So welcome to the show, Tanessa. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm looking forward to talking about all the fun ways to like really improve our brain and help us scale our business that way. Awesome. So to start, I mean, how'd you get into this? Like, what's what's your story? Yeah, well, always completely by accident, right? I was the girl that grew up like hating exercise, skipping PE because I didn't want to get sweaty during high school. Um, but there was a point where I was teaching um, swimming lessons hours and hours of swimming lessons. And the, the manager came up to me. He's like, you know, if you don't want to teach so many swimming lessons. What do you think about teaching senior aquafit in the afternoon okay. instead? And I was like, okay, I'm with it. So they, I went through the whole, like, um, becoming a fitness instructor, personal training, everything like that, went through all the education, fell in love with it, walked into the admin office at the university I was going to at the time. I was like, I don't want to be a news anchor anymore. I want to be a kinesiologist. Like I want to learn about the body and I want to learn everything about it. So switched my major overnight um, and then graduated as a kinesiologist. And from there, you know, with my personal training designation in 2014, opened a personal training business that grew to six figures really quick. It was about a year and a half in where I was like, what, this is interesting. All of my clients are entrepreneurs and I'm not marketing to entrepreneurs. So there must be something going on. And I asked them at some point, I was like, well, what is, what is drawing you specifically to my work. And they all started saying, you know, I realized when I started getting healthy and working out and paying more attention to my food, how much more focused I was during the day. And I didn't get that energy slump at two in the afternoon. And I didn't go home and crash on the couch all the time. And just the energy felt so much better. So, you know, gradually I started taking my business online. And as we do as entrepreneurs, we we evolve. So I started bringing in, you know, more attention to food and the more attention to sleep and then brought in biohacking just as my education evolved. And from there, it's become this really cool health consulting practice where I work primarily with online entrepreneurs to help them scale their business through optimizing their brain. Okay. So what's your target customer look like? Is it, you said online entrepreneur? Is it, is it kind of like the coach, someone, a digital product? Like what, what's your t- typical yeah. client look like? Yeah, well, I do have clients in all kinds of spaces, anything from, you know, the creating screens and stuff for the movie industry to construction building. Those are like the the offline ones. But online, I get a lot of like coaches, Facebook ad marketers and like um, strategists and stuff like that. I love some of the clients I work with um, have like tech platforms. I have some crypto traders. So there's a bit of everything in terms of the online. But in general, I find that it's the same type of entrepreneur that we get is we grow our business and we put so much energy and time into scaling and then we don't realize that one of those kind of side effects of building the business is just our health does tend to slide a little bit. You know, we're staying up a little later, cutting the sleep a little bit. Maybe the food starts to become more about what's convenient instead of what is actually, you know, best for our energy and our health. Exercise usually gets pushed to the back burner. And I find that at this place, 
we end up with these businesses that are six, seven figure businesses, but the lifestyle is like, I don't feel as good as I thought I would feel at this point. So then my job is to come in and help those entrepreneurs really feel good again while running their business. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. let's get into some of like the, the tactical advice. So, you know, you, you got someone new, maybe I'm, I'm your client and, you know, where, do, what do you start with? Like what's, what's like 101? We're just trying to get you to first base here. We'll, yeah. So it's interesting. I used to always prayer to say like, well, you have four pillars of health, you know, there's nutrition and there's, there's fitness and stress and sleep. Um, but I mean, after working with so many clients, you always do get a good feel of like what the big needle movers are. And what I found over and over again is that sleep was one of those fundamental things that like as unsexy as like talking about sleep is, it is the one thing that tends to crash first, not only in how much we're sleeping, but the quality. So in my practice, one of the things that I love to do is I like to strap where tech on my clients, whether that be a Fitbit, an Aura Ring. And I'm a spreadsheet person. Like I love to graph it all and watch for trends and we know what creates, you know, feeling good the next day. And so what I'll actually do is I will start first by just looking at like what is going on with our sleep. Are we starting and ending at the same time? Roughly, are we getting enough sleep during the night? And I find with the entrepreneurial community, our brains are so busy. We're creating, we're thinking about what we're doing. We're thinking about clients, products, whatever it might be. That I find that most entrepreneurs spend about an hour to hour, 15 minutes of the time they think they're sleeping awake mm -hmm. from, you know, wake ups, taking a while to fall asleep, waking up early in the morning and like are having our brain going. So one of the first things I do is I look at like, are you actually giving yourself enough time to achieve the sleep that you need for your brain to be at peak performance capacity? Okay. Yeah. And so then what do they, I don't know. So if they're, if they're having trouble falling asleep or having trouble getting all these thoughts out of their head, and I, I, I have that issue as well. What's, yeah. what's the first thing you recommend? Is it, is it cutting off a screen, a certain part? Is it writing, journaling? There's all these things I know people have said, what have you found to be successful? Yeah, well, there's actually a couple of things, um, two big things, which I'll highlight first. The first one is I actually look at their dinner and what they're eating specifically. So a lot of us, you know, will have our biggest meal at the end of the day, and we'll usually have it within a couple hours of going to sleep, you know, with some snacks, maybe a glass of wine, something like that after. But the later we eat our meal in the day and the specifically the more carbohydrates, processed carbohydrates in our dinner, and I'm not saying no carbohydrates, but I'm saying if when they, you know, consist of over half of our plate, like pasta and stuff like that, it drives our blood sugar up, which in turn drives our cortisol and our adrenaline up. So these are things that mm. keep your brain racing all night. So one of the things I always like to say is like, hey, why don't we try leaving a three to four hour gap between when you want to be asleep and your last meal. And in that meal, look at having whole foods, meaning we're looking at vegetables. We're looking at, you know, good uh, like meats, like things like salmon and stuff like that. And we're looking at reducing the pasta and the big, you know, amounts of bread and stuff like that, which will drive naturally our blood sugar up. So that's the first thing I look at when in terms of that. The second thing is specifically with entrepreneurs. It's fascinating. We we stay in what is called our, our beta brainwave phase all day long, which essentially means we are alert, we are focused, we are task-oriented, we are getting stuff done. This is when you're engaging in conversation. You can feel your brain is active. Like We want that during the day. I mean, that's what's going to make us good at our job. But what we have the issue with is running on that mode straight into bedtime and expecting our brains to be able to turn off. Hmm. So one of the things I'm a really big fan of is using the science behind our, how our brainwaves work to slow our brains down in the hour before bed. And there's a bunch of stuff you can do with that. But specifically, like if we want to talk details, like beta brainwaves are when you're focused and alert. The next slower series of brainwaves is called alpha. 
Okay. So you can tell you're in alpha brain waves when you're getting that sense of like refreshed, relaxed experience before bed. It is that sense of disconnecting from everyone else's brain, everyone else's ideas throughout the day, everything, you know, whether we're listening to podcasts, scrolling Instagram, watching Netflix, we're trying to just take the experience from being outside of us to inside. So, I mean, having a shower, you know, washing your face at night, getting your pajamas on, reading like a, a book that doesn't engage our brain, like a business book, but maybe mm-hmm. something, you know, a little lower key. And then beyond that, like think of this as a slide into sleep and kind of ending in what's called theta brainwaves, which are the equivalent of like dreaming or daydreaming. And we can achieve this through just spending five minutes before we decide to go to sleep, breathing, slowing our thoughts down reflection. Think about fully taking that experience inward and using that hour before sleep as like a runway of decreasing the activity in our brain instead of like, you know, work, 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 Instagram, Netflix, you know, engaging, working, sleep. So I usually find that starting with those two things will help decrease cortisol, that stress hormone that keeps our brain so active before bed. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that that's great. And I know for me, like I have a, a five and a half year old daughter and, and a one year old, but the five and a half, she'll be bouncing off the walls. So we got to like get her calmed down too. Otherwise I'm all amped up because I'm all like, you know, trying to wrangle her. So yeah, no, I hear that. I have a two year old right now and I'm 34 weeks pregnant. So we are ready to go into baby number two right now. But yeah, you know, what's fascinating as parents is we understand wind down for our kids. Like we understand that like, okay, like let's, let's wind down now. There's story time. Maybe it's bath time. It's, it's, it's such a routine and it is repeatable. So their brains know what to expect. You know, we close the curtains, maybe pop a sound machine on. It's so routine because we don't want them bouncing off the walls and then being put down to sleep. So really like taking what we are, what we are doing to help our kids sleep and applying it to ourselves. Mm. Yep. That's awesome. One of the issues I have with the or so I have an aura ring is like the yeah, ring I bothers me. And then I think like, do I not sleep as well because I have the ring on? Or is it this is how I sleep all the time and I just like am feeling the ring? I don't have you anybody said that to you before or you experienced yeah. that at all? Well, I have an aura ring, and so I totally get that. It's charging right in front of me right now. But um with the aura ring specifically, I find that there's there's I find there's two experiences. It's either something that we can use in a neutral way, which is like, oh, that's just informative. But I find sometimes it's really easy to be like to to use the ring to tell us what our experience is of that day. So I find if you ever fall into that category, it's one of the best things that we can do is separate our subjective experience of how we're feeling from the data. So what that might look like is instead of waking up and, you know, checking your Apple watch or your Fitbit or your aura ring to tell you how you're feeling that day. I usually like to go two, three hours into the day and do things that regardless of what my score says, I know are going to be good. So things like, you know, viewing natural daylight for 10 minutes first thing in the morning, getting some water down, maybe getting some basic movement in, like regardless of what it says. And then after I've kind Mm. of established how I'm feeling for the day, then check in with my stats because really they're not going to change your experience of the day post. All they can do is educate you on what you might want to do better for the next night. Okay. Awesome. Great. Well, lots of great tactical advice there. So we got sleep. What's what's next? What's the kind of next phase that you, you look to tackle? Maybe, I don't know, is it food? That What we're yeah. eating? Exercise? Yeah, definitely. So what I like to look at when it comes to food is when when we get our sleep under control, that that actually is funny. It plays more into food than anything else because when we get really good sleep, we have better blood sugar management the next day. And I'll go into kind of what that means for our brains. But when we actually have disrupted sleep, we don't get enough. It's not 
quality. What actually happens is our blood sugar is not as stable the next day. We have more cravings. We have increased appetite. We have trouble making decisions that are, we know are healthier decisions. I mean, we don't even need to talk so much about what to eat. We know that vegetables are healthy. It's like, well, why am I not doing that? So that's why a lot of time why I do like to start with sleep as that base. But when we're talking about like, well, how can I get my brain to work better with what I'm eating? We want to talk about this concept called glycemic variability. Fancy word that just means we want to have as stable blood sugar as possible. So when we eat food, specifically, if we're eating more carbohydrates um, than anything else, uh, it'll affect our, our sugar and the levels of that in our blood. Now, if our blood sugar is stable, meaning we eat, you know, a balanced diet of protein and fat, maybe you get some avocado and eggs in the morning and, and, you know, you're starting your day off like that, your blood sugar stays pretty stable. And what that means is you're having stable energy throughout the day and less inflammation. And inflammation is a lot of what leads to that brain fog that a lot of us wake up with and we feel groggy and like we can't think properly and we just don't have the energy we need. So what I always like to do is look at like, how is the food we're eating, especially during our work days? How is that impacting our brain? Because if we go and choose like a primarily carbohydrate based meal, like pasta for lunch or something like that, it'll drive our blood sugar up. And with that inflammation goes up, you'll get sleepy after your energy will drop out after. And it makes a lot harder to have clearer thinking and good sleep during the night as well. So I always like to look at the idea of eating whole foods, did it come from the ground or have a mother <laughs> as much as possible? And, you know, allowing for life as well, but knowing that the effect that it has on our brain. So eating as whole food as possible and keeping blood sugar stable by, you know, choosing foods that are not packaged. Okay. Okay. What's your feeling on rice? Ah, you know what's fascinating? Um, rice is one of those things that it's different for everyone. And it's also depends on what time of day you eat it. So the crazy thing is like you and I sitting here, and I know we're in different time zones right now, but like you could eat a cup of rice and I could eat a cup of rice and you might have a blunted or barely any blood sugar response because you might tolerate rice well, or mine might go off mm. the chart. So I know a lot of people experiment with continuous glucose monitors. They just are literally something you like put on the back of your arm and it constantly measures your blood sugar. I haven't done that yet, but there are lots of... Um, Lots of research that'll show that foods and how they affect us are individual. Now, the other really interesting thing is that the hormone that helps us keep our blood sugar stable is insulin. Mm. Works really well in the morning, not so well in the evening. So you eating a cup of rice in the morning or for lunch will have a likely less effect on your blood sugar than mm. if you have it for dinner. Because there are different hormones that happen at night, and specifically the sleep hormone, melatonin, which helps us have really good sleep, it blunts insulin. So, I mean, that food, that carbohydrate that we eat in the evening, you know, especially the snacky ones, the chips, the cookies and all yeah. that stuff that come after dinner, it basically, our blood sugar stays high for a much longer period of time than had we had the same thing in the morning. Okay. So, hence why I always like to look at... So if someone is looking for some more like personalized direction of, mm -hmm. of what they should eat, how their body reacts. I, I've heard of people do going out and get like, uh, you know, these like blood scans or, or whatever it is they take their blood. And then they, there's some science and, and some, some food consulting around that to say, Hey, this is what, you know, these are, this is a diet that we'd recommend based on yeah. you know, your individual kind of, um, you know, results. Is that something that, uh, you have any advice around good idea? Are there are other ways someone could go about trying to help like, use science to figure this stuff out? 
Yeah. I mean, well, there's the gut testing, which I mean, there's companies like Viome and probably ones we've heard of where it's a stool sample. You send it into a lab and they send back, um, they look at the gut bacteria you have and they basically say, okay, these are the foods that are likely going to be inflammatory for you. And these are the foods that are not. And it does give you a good picture, but I have talked to a girlfriend of mine who is a dietitian and she specifically said, if your gut is in an inflamed state to begin with, it might be pulling out foods that are you are sensitive to that you might not be had you had a healthy gut in the first place, right? So a lot of it is you can look at it that way. Um, but the other one way you can look at like individualizing this for you specifically is when we talked about um, getting a constant glucose monitor. So mm-hmm. basically, it's it's literally like a microfilament that plugs into the back of your arm and gives you constant blood sugar readings. And there's a couple companies that do that. I think like NutriSense is one and Levels is another, but it'll actually connect to an app on your phone and you can watch in live time where your blood sugar ends up after each meal and how long it takes to return to baseline because that is a sign of like flexible metabolic health, Is it like a Band-Aid or something goes like inside of you? Um, It it looks like a Band-Aid on the back of your arm, but it's, um, if you think of like, how to describe it, like a really flexible, really thin micro needle that just goes under the skin. Hmm. But yeah, it gives you constant feedback. So you could see if you ate this at night, and you had a big blood sugar spike and you noticed it stayed high all night and you you know woke up with stress dreams or you weren't able to fall asleep. It's a really easy way to be like, hey, that's so interesting. When I eat rice at night, this happens. But when I eat sweet potato, it doesn't. So really cool ways to personalize it. Okay. And is that the main reason the blood sugar then that leads to the the poor sleep and like said stress the next day? That comes yeah, from, it- from what you eat and then how your body processes it. That's what you're saying. Yeah. Glucose is a fascinating thing on sleep because it's bi-directional, right? Like the glue, if your glucose is high going into sleep, cortisol will be elevated. You'll likely dehydrate yourself. You'll be waking up through the night. And then it also affects how your blood sugar is regulated the next day. If you have a poor sleep, your blood sugar is not as easily regulated and kept within that range. So you're more likely to have those fluctuations, experience cravings, intense hunger, overeating, all of that. Mm. So it, it's, okay. a, it's a cycle, chicken and the egg kind of thing. Awesome. Awesome. I'll have to check. What, what were the two ones called? Level level Up or something? Yeah. Uh, Levels is one company. And then Nutrisense.io, I think, is the other company. Okay. At least the two that I'm familiar with. I know there's, like, you think it's Dexa, Dexter is another one. There's a bunch of companies that source these kind of monitors. Yeah. Cool. So we got sleep, we got food. What's the next kind of pillar or area that you you focus on in terms of, of getting your body, you know, yeah. where it needs to be? Yeah. I mean, it's just how we process stress. And and the interesting thing is like there's everyone talks about like we need to have less stress, right? But the idea isn't necessarily that we need to go around eliminating stress and being in this meditative state all day. What is more important is our resiliency to stress specifically and how we respond to it. So I know you mentioned you have an aura ring. And for those of you guys that are listening that don't, it basically records a, um, a variable on your body called your heart rate variability, which basically gives you an idea of how your body has responded to the stress of the day. And I'm not just talking about, you know, the angry people on social media or the email you get. And I'm talking about you know, emotional stress, whether, you know, it's with family or relationship, it's physical stress from training, it's nutritional stress, what you eat, if it's inflaming your gut, right? So what we want to look at with these kind of values is we're looking at with stress is, are we able to recover from stress on demand? Meaning if we do get you know, a link that's broken or something goes wrong in a deal or a payment doesn't go through or something like that, that sets off that natural fight or flight. What is your ability like to return to baseline? And the quicker and more easily you are able to do that, it's called being resilient to stress. 
So it's not about eliminating stress. And one of the things that I do like to look at is as entrepreneurs, we are what I call human doings. We are planning, scheduling, meeting. We are constantly engaging in doing. And there is, we go large stretches, if not our entire days, without being human beings again. Five minutes, are we breathing? Are we taking time to actually pay attention to stuff like that? And I find that when we, as entrepreneurs, get into that hypervigilance of like that social checking, that panic checking, the email checking, the did the deal go through, the all, when we get mm-hmm. into this, it is because we have spent too much of our day as human doings. And so what I have found to be quite effective is to start to find your personal edge between human doing and human being. And it's not always 50-50 and it's different for all of us. Like I have a very type A organized scientific data-driven brain and I function very well planning and optimizing and organizing and all of that kind of stuff. So, I mean, for me to just engage in like long yoga and meditation sessions, I mean, I feel like that would make me bored. Mm-hmm. So for me, I find that balance is if I am 70% of the time engaged in all of the work oriented tasks, but I leave 30% of my time to, you know, focus on how am I feeling right now? Am I exercising? Did I take some time to sit outside today? Or have I been inside all day? That's where my edge is, where I'm being challenged, but I am not bored. It's when we go too far one way or the other, that we either end up feeling lack of motivation and just listlessness, or we end up feeling chronically stressed and overwhelmed. So it's finding that edge and really understanding what activities you do in your day that make you feel like a human being and present and you're in your body instead of just in your head and on your business. Yep. And a lot of it's mindset too. I I think the guy I just interviewed, Tyler, you know, we, we talked about this a little bit and his, his thing was like, for every situation he asks, you know, uh, or he says, what I see is, is up to me. Right, so the way he perceives the situation is totally up to him, and that you you either be the victim in something or you're like the victor. And so he yeah. he's a real estate guy, and this deal like almost fall through, and then you know it, it's going to make him look real bad if it if it happens, right? And but instead he's saying, hey, what you know, what, what's the good, uh, you know, what what good can I see in this thing, right? And yeah. so the more our due diligence process works because we found this, right? And yeah, maybe we can speed it up a little bit more or tighten up the little things, but like rather than saying, oh, why is this happening to me? These guys are jerks. Like you know, being the victim and being all stressed out, you know, it's like, hey, we got to find the solution, and then hey, we can now get our pencil sharpened for next time so that this doesn't happen again, you know. Uh, so yeah. a lot of it's like the the way you see the event is is then how it dictates whether it stresses you out or if it just says, hey, I'm you know I see it now I'm going to go in this another direction. So yeah, I love that. It sounds very much like well, the way I, I kind of I guess teach that is the I call it the neutrality of circumstance, meaning circumstances are a set of facts. And the only way you can tell it's a circumstance is if everyone would have the same opinion on it. And if we wouldn't, then you know it's your interpretation of it. And so I always like to think that when we have, well, what you said, like a deal falling through and stuff like that, like it is our thoughts about it that create that emotional experience of it, right? And we are in charge of the thoughts we have about it. And that is such another piece of managing our stress is once we realize that it goes beyond the resiliency of stress, a good key tactic in that is how are we able to monitor our thinking Mm -hmm. and make strategic shifts when we know like, okay, well, this whole process of thinking here is creating a lot of anxiety and a lot of overwhelm. And I don't like how I'm feeling. I'm not making good decisions with my health or in my business anymore. 
And what would I need to be thinking to create a different feeling out of this? Yep. The other good one I heard was, you know, with all this stuff happening in the world, you got Russia, Ukraine, inflation, like whatever, all this stuff going crazy. And then we think that like all this stuff supplies to our business. But but at the end of the day, like, you know, with we run automotive repair shops, like all we it doesn't matter what happens in, in Russia and Ukraine. All that matters is that we're the best that we can be within, you know, a mile of our competitors, right? Like people don't drive more than what whatever two or three miles to get their car fixed they go to what's convenient and so for us as long as we're the best one in our area like we can control the outcome it doesn't matter what the rest of the world is doing as long as we can execute instead of you know worrying about all these things that we can't control and stressing out because the news is trying to like you know freak us out about all this stuff all the time mm-hmm. instead we focus on what we can control and then just just do it so yeah right. it sounds like putting that being in that category of one yep yeah, and I think if you do that, and then then it doesn't. You don't worry about things you can't control, and then it shouldn't stress you out because, like, absolutely, I think that's the problem. A lot of these days is everything's trying to stress you out, and I don't know. <laughs> yeah, well, and paying attention to all the inputs, what you let in, right? Like, it's kind of like think about having like a red velvet rope around your attention and what you let in, and choosing. You know, like, and I, I think we all went through that at some time over the last two, three years is we found there's probably a breaking point in which we're just like, I've had so much input of people, you know, the telling us how to think and how this affects us and the fear and all of that kind of stuff. And there was a point where I was just like, okay, this is just not happening for me anymore. I am not taking outside input. Thank you very much because it's not being very good for my emotional health right now. But yep. yeah, I totally agree with you on that. Awesome. And then what's, what's, what's the final, is it exercise is the final, the final pillar here? Yeah, definitely. I mean, we all, I mean, you don't even have to throw a stone very far to find a research study that'll tell you how much, you know, just moving our body in general and exercise is going to be great for our, our brains and our body and how we sleep and our glucose management. I mean, it all play, it's so amazing how much the body plays together. But one of the big things that I do like to always stress is that, especially if we're in a place where we're like, I just don't, where do, where do I have time to work out? Like, are you kidding? You want me to bring that in right now? Like that's where some of us are when we're starting that. <laughs> and one of the big things I always stress is, you know, just move, just move your body right now. So if you're getting 2000 steps a day, which by the way, is so common with a lot of the entrepreneurs I work with, especially in the online space where we spend a lot of time on the computer mm. is, you know, step counts in the two to 3000 range. So I always just like to say like, well, what happens if you just focus for two weeks on getting minimum 4000 a day and work that up to like that eight to 10,000 range over the span of a couple months, instead of thinking I have to carve out four to five hours a week for an hour workout, plus a stretch, plus, plus, plus. Like really starting with like, okay, where is the minimum baseline of what's going to affect me? And it's going to be just getting out of my chair a little bit more. Can you take one call walking? Can you get a standing desk? You know, can you Mm. make a couple, like a trip around the block when you have a break between clients, that kind of thing. And then, you know, you get into like, okay, there is the, you know, the resistance training and the zone two cardio training, and you can get in the nitty gritty, but I find that's just, you know, not meeting a lot of us where we're at, given how busy we are. Yeah, so to to get rolling for anybody who's not doing nothing, yeah, just start with something, and then. But but so, what is that next level though? So, if someone's like into it a little bit more, uh, what does that look like? What's like an ideal? Someone does have the time or can make the time. Yeah. So I always say, you know, if you can get three to four days of resistance training in, that's a really good place to start. And, you know, if you're getting three days, if you can space them out with a day in between, get three full body resistance training days per week. And, you know, I like to shoot anywhere between 45 minutes to an hour as a great start. But to be quite honest in my life with running my business, I'm also a part-time stay-at-home mom with my two-year-old. 30 minutes is a win. 
You know what I mean? And really getting out of that mindset that it has to be an hour and a half or it has to be structured or programmed. Because honestly, half the time I'm just like, we're going to throw on a 30 minute Peloton workout because that's what I have time for right now. And it's really getting in that habit. But I mean, if you were to ask like, what would be ideal? Yeah, it's three to four days of strength training, looking at 30 to 45 minutes of actual focused work off of our phones. And then, you know, giving ourselves maybe two to three days a week to do 20 minutes of cardio, whether that be jump on the bike, go out for a jog, go for a walk, really just thinking about moving our body from that perspective and the the benefits that it has on um, not only our brain, because when we exercise, our brain produces something called uh, brain-derived neurotropic factor, which actually helps us grow brain cells and create connections between old ones. It makes, actually makes us smarter and it produces a, a different chemical, which actually helps us sleep better at night. So okay. it depends whether you're looking at it from like, I want to get, you know, buff and lean or I want my brain to perform better. Okay. So. Yeah. I always, I always wanted to, to exercise more and I just didn't have the, I didn't have the commitment to it. I didn't, not that I didn't see the benefits, you know, I hear about the benefits, but you don't like I don't know. It's, it's different to hear about it versus like experience. And so I, uh, in February, I hired a personal trainer. I go twice a week now and like, but I, I need that. I need the commitment to, to actually go and like, you know, to do it. Otherwise I, I can't, it's, I have trouble holding myself accountable, but if I'm paying him to do, it, and I already prepaid the month, like I have to go, uh, I, I've, I haven't missed a session. Right. So it, um, you know, I think if for somebody who has the time and, you know, can afford it, I think making the commitment prepaying like you have to go is, is for me, that, that, that that's getting the results. So, yeah, I, I love that. Well, and having been a personal trainer for like <laughs> eight years, I could definitely attest to how that helps with accountability. But a really interesting thing I do like to help the clients with, especially the ones that I don't see in person, um, is I always just ask, and we go back to the, how your brain is thinking about the circumstances. What are you selling yourself on repeatedly? So if you find that you're not able to have a personal trainer and you find you're skipping a lot of workouts, I'd ask yourself, like, how hard are you selling yourself on missing these workouts? Because I could bet your thinking is a lot like, I'm so tired. I heard I don't have time for this. I'd rather get my work done. It'll be less stressed out if I could just get some stuff off my list. My kids need to go here. Like we're really selling ourselves on missing mm. those workouts. But if we put that much energy into selling ourselves on doing the workout, like if you think about that intensity with which we convince ourselves not to, and what would yeah, that look like to sell it. yourself? Right. Yeah. I mean, so many of us, but if you own a business, you're in sales, you're good at it. Just transfer that skill over. Right. Yep. Awesome. Tell yourself on what you want to do. Cool. This is all all great advice. Uh, so, so what does your business kind of look like today? I mean, you talk to your like kind of a, your coach. You work remotely with people. Can you give us an idea of, of what that kind of looks like and what's your um, you know what's your value proposition? Yeah. So basically, when I I work with clients, they work with me on a one on one capacity. Meet just you know we meet on Zoom once a week, and what we really look at doing is we work through one area at a time. And like I said, we usually sleep usually turns to food next, just out of that natural curiosity. But then we do get to stress and we get to uh, movement. But one of the things that I find makes it so effective is we change one thing at a time because I need to know what is giving you more energy out than you are putting in because we don't have time to have like 500 health habits and we hope they're all working. So I use the wearable trackers and the data technology to actually say, did I see a benefit this week in the data? Or did you subjectively, do you actually feel better from this? And if not, we're going to scrap it. I don't want to keep wasting our time like doing all these habits if they're not working. So I look at like minimum effective dose and every week we apply one habit. So if we're just like, okay, we're going to change the, uh, what's called your circadian rhythm alignment. So if you've always been going to bed, you know, midnight to seven, what if we switched it to 11 to seven and we were consistent for a week or two, we watch your data. How are you feeling in the morning? And then we meet and pretty much you're like, Okay, what worked? 
what didn't work? What are we doing differently next week? And that is what really keeps us moving forward. So by the end of our time together, you know, we pretty much have a laid out document with exactly based on data, what is working for you to help your brain feel clear? Are you waking up well rested? Do you have energy? Are you able to, you know, hit the end of your day and actually spend your time with your kids? Or are you crashing onto the couch because it's all you have the energy for? So we look cool. at a lot of that and buying back time yeah, in the form awesome. of energy like and productivity. Data-driven data habits. Oh, yes. Is, oh, yes. Uh, okay. Yeah, that's, that's, that sounds awesome. Um, I think especially for, for entrepreneurs in that space, like for a lot of us are numbers and, and data-driven and that's how we make decisions of what to do and what's, what's worth our time and what... Return on investment. You know, so uh, <laughs> that's good. Uh, that's a good business model and good good approach. Uh, so yeah, Thank you. So where can uh, I guess where people can connect? Where can they learn more about you um, if they're interested in, in chatting? Yeah, so I have my podcast, Becoming Limitless, which it's essentially all of the health optimization strategies and how it affects your business when applied, and then only how to apply it. So it's very detail oriented and action oriented like that. So that's a really good resource um, if you're a podcast listener. Um, but I do have a PDF called uh, 12 Ways to Biohack Your Energy. It's a freebie download. And it's essentially what I've done is I've gone through and said, okay, what 12 things have worked the best over the years for my clients that get them the most bang for their buck in terms of energy and waking up well rested. And so, I mean, if you, do struggle with productive mornings and waking up feeling tired all the time, then just head to tenessashears.com slash energy and you can download that. And those are the biggest two places for resources. But otherwise, I'm on Instagram, Tenessa Shears. I'm on there all the time. Awesome. Cool. Well, thanks for coming on and kind of sharing sharing all your knowledge and your story. I think you provided a ton. I got a ton of good notes here. I'm going to I'm gonna start looking at my life and things that I can apply to see if I can get some more focus and energy. So, Yeah. Well, thank you for having me on. I hope it helps. Awesome. Thank you. That's all we got for this episode with the Business with Beers podcast. One thing that would really help both us and other new potential listeners is to rate the show and leave a comment in iTunes, Stitcher, wherever you listen. Also, make sure to link up with me on your preferred social media platforms, LinkedIn, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. You can find all my links at brianbeers.com. Please just share the podcast with anyone who you think might enjoy it. And until next time, remember to take the actions others won't to live the life that others don't. 